listener exclusive. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Hello and welcome to Two Guys One Cup Summer Edition. I am Charlie Clawson and this is my club, the show where I sit down with some well-known Australian footy supporters and chat to them about the clubs they love and sometimes hate. And uh, my guest this week is the star of stage and screen, but perhaps his most challenging role to date has been that of being a Gold Coast Sun supporter, Josh McConville. Welcome back to the show. You were on the uh, first series of My Club we did a couple of years ago. Yes, thanks for having me. It's good to be back. I'm hopefully with a better outcome this year. Well, it's funny, I, in, in preparation, I, I won't say I do research for this show, but I, I, I browsed the internet and just had a look at the recent Sun's history. Um, and it has been a kind of like gradual build. The interesting thing about the Suns last year is I think you equaled the amount of wins, the most wins you've ever had in a season. But the difference was the percentage. And I'm not a stats guy or a numbers guy. I don't know what, you know how this works out. But apparently that's good that you guys have a better percentage. Now, anecdotally speaking, as someone who now lives in the Northern Rivers and I'm a short drive to Metricon and I've seen a couple of Gold Coast games, and I've watched a lot of um, you know stuff on the Suns just online. I love the Suns. Like I'm seriously considering making them my second team. Like I want to see more footy live, but there is something about the Stewie Dew factor. Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely. And I think last time we spoke, you asked me about culture, and I feel like that's really sort of um, gotten a lot better since Stewie Dew has been there for some particular reason. And I think it is that culture they're instilling into the players, which is allowing. It's keeping players there, you know, top end players. Just the re-signing of Anderson and um, you know, Rouse re-signed and you've still got Took Miller there and Stewie Jew must have something to do with that. Yeah. I'm surprised they're not your second team already. Well, I, I I was I was toying with the idea, but I just kind of I've never had a second team. I've always thought that was kind of cheating. But because I do want to see more footy and it's only a short drive up to Metricon. But I think it is more destroyed you factor because I can't remember if we spoke last time if they'd released that documentary Making Their Mark which is that behind the scenes at various clubs during COVID and that was like the most eye-opening um, documentary. I've never seen anything about Aussie Rules in this, done in the same way but Stewie Jew was just the most lovable down-to-earth, likeable guy who has high standards. But we've talked about with other guests on this show, there's a scene where, so Rowley uh, does his shoulder and is out for the season, and they're talking about how to keep him motivated. And so Stewie Joe goes, why don't we get one of those Peloton bikes up into the into the gym and we'll have him do like a leg of the Tour de France and I'll do it with him. <laughs> Just like, all right. And there's like Matt Rowell, 18 years old, super fit, you know, recovering from a shoulder injury, 4 a.m., gets there on the peloton, starts riding. And then in shuffles Stewie Jew, and you're like, how the hell is this going to work? But he just gets on the bike. And he starts pedaling and he's on the bike for like 13 hours just next to Matt Rowell. And 
in your head, you're like, if he's willing to do that for a first-year player, like, sure, he's a number one draft pick, but a first-year player, then I think that would bleed down through the rest of the club, right? A hundred percent, yeah. I mean, it sounds like he's a bit of a father figure. It's not to draw parallels to NRL, but similar with like Wayne Bennett and the Brisbane Broncos, mm. who I um, used to follow and sort of still do. But that when you look up to somebody like that, I mean, you can't help but love them and want to stay. Um, it's such a contradiction, isn't he? Because he's like, <laughs> I mean, externally <laughs> looks like he can't do that. But I mean, that's how he used to play as yeah. well, didn't he? Back in the day. That's right. Well, he, I mean, he famously, you know, almost won a Norm Smith for Hawthorne. He played for Port Adelaide for years. And then in 2008, came on and just had the most blistering third quarter where he kicked <laughs> goals and was just like running through players. But he looked not a lot different to how he looks now. And it's sort of like, you know, we're so conditioned with modern footballers or modern mm. athletes, I guess, that they all, you know, they're these lean, you know, chiseled Adonises. And, then there's occasionally there's a throwback. There's a Tony Lockett kind of throwback where it's like, oh, it's just a big bloke. He's yeah. skillful, you know? And I think there is something about, you know, country fit. There are certain dudes who are just, they're just country fit. They don't have to have a six pack, but they can run out an entire we game. We see some, I mean, not to draw a parallel to a different sport again, but even like heavyweight boxers, you know, Please. like Tyson Fury. Yeah, Tyson Fury. <laughs> not yeah, look like exactly. they can box for 12 rounds, but somehow they're the fittest people in the world. Yeah. Those Rocky films definitely lied to us. There's no need for you to have like a six pack and pecs and stuff. You can just yeah. be a plumber, basically. <laughs> <laughs> just look like a gut, flabby pecs. Doesn't matter as long as you can punch. Well, yeah, and have, have the will to win and that sort of heart and drive, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think, too, the thing about the Suns last year was after Ben King went down, yeah. you know, there was a lot of kind of pessimism around the club. And, you know, they bring in Levi, Casbolt, and um, Marbio Chol. And people are like, oh, okay, you know, there are a couple of discards. And then what those two dudes did last year to give yourselves like a Ford line, I was like, I mean, who's, where's this Levi Casbolt been? Where was that for 10 years at the Blues? Yeah, totally. I mean, and it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do now with um, Ben coming, coming back and um, also Rankin leaving. I mean, do you, what do you do with Casbolt? I mean, you've got other players that can come in, like even Humphreys or... I mean, Ainsworth might push forward. Casbolt mm. could go back to the um, to defence. He was pretty good at Carlton when he had five longer run. And I also think that life on the Gold Coast agrees with Levi Casbolt because I hadn't seen him over the summer and then I saw him in round one and it's got this big kind of white right. fro, you know, his hairy chest and he looks like he's a swinger from like the 70s. You could see him in the ice storm yeah. just like organising a party and put your keys in a bowl. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, I think Levi's enjoying life yeah, on the yeah, Gold Yeah, yeah, totally. Coast. Well, yeah. I mean, if you like surfing and sun as well, I mean, does he surf? Maybe. Uh, I mean, I think I, 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 that's the one thing that I, I find so hard to believe is that there's any player retention issues at the Gold Coast when if you're an 18-year-old getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, what better place to be than the Gold Coast? My God. Yeah, that is true. Having grown up on the Gold Coast, though, there, there's not much to do right. except surf, surf and yeah, I mean, it's not like living in Melbourne where there's a bunch of different things you could do. Yeah. But what do you think will happen to Casbolt? Look, I think there's value in every team having like a third or a second tall battering ram, you know, like that every kind of yeah. good forward line has, you know, your, your Rolls Royce, but then you have a guy whose job is just to basically crash packs. And I think that's Levi's essential, like with Marbio yeah. and, um, and Ben King, you know, they've, 
they're your kind of thoroughbreds and they're the ones you want to protect. You don't want them taking like rock contests in the forward line or whatever. So I reckon what you could easily do is maybe have, because you've got a great ruckman and wits. So maybe you just have Levi Casbolt as a resting ruckman. So mainly plays forward, but then takes, you know, so that way you protect wits um, and you can still have like a marking option forward. But Ben King will probably need, you know, like knee injuries, and it was an ACL or PCL, one of the one of the CLs. <laughs> they generally take, you know, a little while to get back into it. ACL. I reckon, you know, he'll be good cover for Ben King until he's sort of back up to full fitness. But he's worth hanging on to. We got Lukosius who might drift forward too, but I think he's actually better on the wing, Lukosius, with that. Yeah, he's an interesting that long kick that will set players up. He, he just does stuff every now and then that makes you go, oh, you can see why he was such a high draft pick, but. He hasn't really stamped himself in a game yet. Like, I'm still sort of waiting to see him have that kind of, you know, like Jed Anderson's breakout game, that goal against Richmond or Isaac Rankin's entire year last year. That was when you saw those young sons go, okay, you know, this is us stepping up now. But Lukosius, I don't know if he's been played out of position, but, you know, he's this beautiful mark and this beautiful kick, but he just doesn't have that presence that even like Marbio Troll had last year. Well, he's been sort of bit like Jimmy Bartell, but not as good. And it's just sort of, you know, <laughs> can go anywhere, but he's just sort of an average man at every position. But that's why I think the wing might, because he sort of yeah, suits tall, like a tall wing, a bit more of a setup player. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So with Isaac Rankin going, like, did that sting a bit? Yeah, definitely staying. And also considering he was saying that he would stay and then all of a sudden... Is it? But in a way, like I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Ainsworth, and I think this allows him to um, to grow even more and, and fill that position. You've also got Roses there. You've got Jeffrey. We've got quite a lot of depth in that position. And yeah, Jeffrey's exciting too. He's really like he's kind of got that same X factor. It was a real pleasure to to watch Rankin last year because there, there was just sort of a time we're thinking, oh, you know, maybe he won't make it. Like you know those mercurial type players it's like oh yeah you know maybe they're they dominate at a junior level but they can't take that step up but then to see what yeah. he did i was bummed out i just thought you know if you get a hung on to him it's a real endorsement of stewie jew and it's an endorsement yeah. of the club but at the same time you know he's got real strong roots back in south australia and i imagine adelaide backed up an enormous truck of money, yeah you know, definitely to, to sort of say come on and that's the tr always going to be the tricky thing when most of our players come from interstate and their families are interstate to hold on to them. Um, Flanders, though, I, I don't know if you saw any of the practice match, but he's he did some pretty amazing work against Essendon, did this, like, jump, double kick to kick a goal. It had a bit of a Rankin-esque vibe about him. Is there any chance that his nickname is not Ned? <laughs> any chance? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> But I think he'll, he'll definitely shine through this season. He might even fill the role of Rankin as well. It's what um, Collins has been suggesting. Had a really good preseason. Yeah, well, it's funny. I mean, I was wrapped that they re-signed Stewie Jew. I mean, they sort of re-signed him and then the club kind of ran out of puff. So it was kind of, there's a bit of excitement around the Suns. You know, you beat Richmond 40 points down. Anderson kicks that goal after the siren. And then, you know, they re-signed Stewie Jew. But then you... You bottle the next couple of games against, I think it was Essendon and then um, Brisbane after that. But the club sort of held firm. And I think that's 
a sign of maturity as well. Like ordinarily, you know, maybe that's when you would have dumped the coach because he's had three or four years, you had momentum, then you lost it. But I think with the injuries you had last year, people understand, you're still a very young list, people understand that, okay, you know, he's going to get one more chance at it. But do you think it's kind of this is the year you got to make finals? I think it might be. I mean, but also I think like we spoke last time, you get rid of Guy McKenna and... Um, Rodney Ede. Yeah, yeah. Ede. You, you, get rid, you start to build a culture, then you get rid of the main guy and then you sort of start all over again. I feel like Stewie's built this amazing set of players and a great foundation to get rid of that just after almost making the finals would do the club an injustice. So, yeah, I think, I think you're right. This might be it. And I think too, you know, what you were describing with those previous two coaches, they basically inherited, you know, um, mercenary lists because they brought in, you know, it was when they got all the concessions and they were bringing in players from other clubs and then bringing in draftees. And so, you know, you're not, I was listening to this interview with, uh, with Lee Montagnes to play for St Kilda and he was talking about how hard it is to build culture in a club where you've had no success like the Saints haven't. And he said that, you know, when he started, Grant Thomas, you know, they would have working bees at the club where they'd all go down and they'd like, you know, paint the gym and, you know, they'd do the floor. And he said, because they didn't have premierships to share in, they had to buy something else to invest in. And that's what kind of bonded them as a team was like, yeah, we actually have an investment in this club. So I can understand under, you know, McKenna and Ede that you're still sort of dealing with half your team being imports and then the other half being these kids. But now, you know, Ablett's gone, you know, most of those kind of like, you know, players you've brought in, those imports have gone. You've got a great captain and a gun player in Tuke Miller. And then you've got this charismatic coach. Now the culture can begin. Maybe they all have to jump on the pelotons and do <laughs> a leg of the Tour de France. Like maybe that's Stewie's going to ace up the sleeve. <laughs> Well, I mean, they must, Took must be doing that. I've you seen him with his shirt off at the moment. It's best guns in the oh, AFL. Oh, <laughs> like that dude, oh, <laughs> like seriously, should never wear sleeves ever again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what the uh, curls routine at the Suns preseason is, but I feel like he needs to cut back. Yeah. He's uh, got a 24 pack as well. It's amazing. <laughs> but, to, but to see a guy like that, like a homegrown, you know, he'll be your next um, multiple best and fairest winner alongside Ablett and Lynch. He really came out hard against Rankin when he left, and I love that. You know, he was like, we're disappointed. Like, we think he's making the wrong decision. Like, there was no kind of, we wish him all the best. It was a bit like, fuck you. You don't want to get on board? And I'm like, I like that from Duke. Yeah, I do too. It's interesting, like, Rankin, I think he was solidifying a position, but similar to, like, Jack Bowes and I guess even Fiorini, you have these superstars that, a team still try to build their foundation. So I can understand why it's hard to stay and why you want to leave. And if you promised more at a different club, you know, as to why Bose has left. And I'm sure it would have been disappointing for Rankin as well. But there's so much rotation and, and trial and error in, in the Suns at the moment, I think, that I can understand why people leave. Yeah. Well, the, the Bose thing... It's pretty understandable. Like the premiership team comes to you with a huge cash offer. The Suns are like, we need to squeeze someone out the salary cap. So it's like financially you're great. You're going to a team that just won the flag. That's not such a hard one to kind of work out. No, but also you get, it looks like you guaranteed more midfield time yeah, as well. because you can't break into that midfield. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that was a big factor there. And I also think too, what people maybe are underestimating next year is Matt Raub being back to having like a proper, like he's had a season under his belt to work through that shocking shoulder injury. And I mean, they, they came after him. Well, when I say they, Kane Corns, let's be honest, it's always Kane Corns. They're always like trashing him. Oh, he's a bit, you know, one paced, you know, he doesn't do enough. He doesn't have enough offense. Like, A, the kid's like 19, 20 years old, but he's so goddamn tough. And I back him to more than any other player to follow it up this year and actually go to that next level. His role as well was like shut down defensive mid. So, and I thought he performed that extremely well. Then he had Took as the offensive. And I think that's, you know, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays in that role because I think he was doing it amazingly well. However, we've got Jed Anderson now and he's such, such a good tackler. He might They might rotate through that. God, if his dad, Jed Anderson's dad, had played 20 more games for the Saints, he would have been a father-son. But that's uh, <laughs> you know, uh, just uh, another another line in the in the tragic history of the St Kilda Football Club. Um, I don't, sorry, I don't mean to make this about the Saints. <laughs> I'm feeling very, very pessimistic about this year, which is probably why I'm more bullish on the Suns. How are you about uh, Ben Long? Yeah, uh, I was bummed that he left. I think he's going to do really well at the Suns. I think he was kind of played out of position at the Saints for a long time. They couldn't work out if they wanted him as like a running halfback or as a defensive forward. And the problem for him is he does a lot of things really well, but not one thing exceptionally well. So it is kind of hard to know where to place him. But he is he's that edge that you need in every team. He does not shirk a contest. I reckon he plays his best footy in defence where he can just run and go at the man and go at the ball. He's going to take mark of the year one one of these days because he's just, he throws himself at everything. But that was, again, I reckon the Suns probably paid a little overs for him. I think you ended up paying him 700000 or, you know, the rumours anyway, a year when we were offering maybe half a mil. And I think that somewhere in between those two numbers is the truth. Um, but the Saints, like if you look at our halfback stocks, we're, you know, Brad Hill, Jack Sinclair, Nassai Wangan and Malera, and then up forward we have Dan Butler and um, Jack Higgins. So he kind of was a man without a without a position. But I, I have no ill will towards He's going to smash us and the next time we play against each other. Like I feel bad for whoever lines up and Ben Long because he's the kind of guy you know has got receipts. He may have had a better chance at being in position now that you've got so many injuries, right? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Sorry, bring that up. No, no, it's fine. It's our 150th year. Uh, <laughs> we started off with a bang. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Like, it, it, it feels like every week we, we play a practice match, you know, Jack Billings breaks his leg, uh, you know, before the, we in a training drill, uh, Max King does his shoulder. It's just, I think it's actually not bad because a lot of Saints are getting too ahead of themselves thinking, oh, we've got Ross Lyon back and we've got Lenny Hayes and Rob Harvey and all these legends back at the club. But this is just tempered expectation. <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's good because I think this is a year where we're going to find out a lot about a lot of players. And I would not be surprised at the end of this year if there isn't like a massive clean out because I think we've we've been middle of the road for a decade now. And I think that there's a lot of players who get gifted games because we just don't have any other options. Whereas Ross Lyons style is that he doesn't gift games. Like he's quite willing to have us lose and play kids all over go then than just some passenger, but uh, I think it's going to be ugly. I, I wish I didn't have a football podcast is what I'm saying, Josh. <laughs> There's nothing worse than having to front up and record a show when the last thing you want to do is talk about football. 
I think, yeah, it's interesting to see how they go. I mean, those injuries are really shocking to hear. Do you think you'll make the A? No. I, I think we'll, I think we're a good chance for bottom four. Um, I think our best projection would be middle of the table. It's just, we've got Timmy play it. We don't have a forward line. Like we, we literally do not have a forward line. We were trialing our full back at full forward <laughs> in the practice match. And then, you know, we drafted in Zane Cordy, who's a defender from the Bulldogs. We tried him at full forward. And then the rest of them are all just like small forwards. So Jack Steele's had a haircut now too, so that might. But he also looks like he's lost half his body weight as well. Like, yeah, he does look thin. Yeah, I don't know if that's like a change in game style. Like he's, he wants to be less contested, more on outside. But maybe it's perspective, just because there's no hair. There's no hair. It's all sort of short. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, preseason. I wrote an article for uh, Zero Hanger. Uh, anyone who wants to check it out can go to zerohanger.com and check out a column written by me, which is called an ode to the preseason and. I'm 100% mean it when I say that this is my favorite time of the year to talk footy because nothing's happened yet and it's all <laughs> it's all potential and like I don't know how do you watch football like do you are you quite happy to just watch a game live or do you need to know that you're winning do you get anxious well I, I, as we sort of talked about last time I, I'm I'm still relatively new to the game um so I I like to watch it live I love going to the G. I think that's my favorite thing to do. But I also love yeah. putting on um, KO and then putting on like about four different games, just side by oh, side. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, like you're Batman yeah. in the back cave, <laughs> just like looking for crime. Because I'm also into yeah. AFL fantasy, so I use that, um, you know, watching other games and try and look at the stats. What do you, and what do you think it would do for footy in the Gold Coast, like Aussie rules, if the if if the Suns could make finals this year and say, like, you know, they go on a successful run, maybe even make a yeah. granny, do you think it does lift the profile of the interest in the Gold Coast? Like, what will it take to draw people away from Kavalav, draw them away from surfers and get them to go into the footy? Hey, the Gold Coast is bigger than Kavalav, I'll tell you that. Um, it, there's a lot, there's, I love the Gold Coast. It's um, not just Kavalav. Let me just say that. But... Uh, the southern part of the Gold Coast, before you get to yeah. surface. If you're going to go there, go to the hinterland. Check out Mount Tambourine. It's beautiful yes. up there. Um, I, yeah, yeah. yeah look, I'm, I, I, yeah, I think like any sport, if you make the finals and you start to do well, it will draw more interest. And even just going to the games at Metricon, which is now, what, Heritage Bank Stadium or something? Oh, is it? The name, oh, yeah. I've been, geez, I've been, I've been dead naming a stadium. <laughs> <laughs> um, even going there, it's, um, it's, you can see that a lot more people are uh, are coming and, and and being interested in it, and I think that is because we are slightly improving. And I only think yeah. if you make the finals, that it will keep growing and continue to grow. And membership numbers are going up. So, so now that I mean, Rankin would have been the obvious choice for your most marketable kind of player. Like you know, he the way he played and he was sort of flashy and he was good in an interview. Does that fall squarely on Tuke's shoulders now? Or do you think there's someone else who could be, you know, the face of the club? Yeah, I think it's Talk. Um, interesting that you said Rankin. I would have still thought Talk, but I mean, you know, Matt Rauch would be. Matt, he, I think he. Well, so what I what I mean by Rankin is like he's the kind of player who, like Tuke Miller as a player, is excellent, but he's yeah. not as eye catching as Rankin. Like people will, you know, go through the turnstiles to see someone like Rankin play because yeah. he's just so exciting. I think. Well, then in that case, yeah. I still think Took, um, but I mean, Flanders is, is becoming quite flashy. Old Ned. Mate, mate, Ned. <laughs> Old mate, Ned. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I mean, it could be him. It's an interesting question, but I, I do think I think it's talk. I mean, I still think he's quite flashy. Just some of those breaks he does and the the amount of running he does. And maybe it's because I'm into AFL more than somebody who doesn't follow it as much. And maybe that's where yeah. you need the flashiness, like ranking, you know, for a face. But I do remember watching a game. Um, I can't remember what it was. Last year, son's game. And they had that, um, the sky cam, whatever it is, that, you know, the really wide shot. And it was showing Tuk Miller's two-way running, so his defensive running yeah. in a game. And it was insane to see how much ground he covers at full tilt. Oh. Like, you know, from the center bounce, the ball goes out and it's sort of, you know, going back and forth. And he's tracking it, yeah. but at full speed yeah. through the middle, through the corridor. And at one stage, he's involved in a defensive contest. The ball gets given off. He sprints and he collects it back at center half forward and lives into the forward line. And that's after about two and a half minutes. It's like, it's like he's run like, you know, how many hundred meters, like uh, five or six hundred meters, and then he's still cracking in like two minutes later. It was what, amazing. What does he average a game? I mean, it's over 10 Ks a game, right? Like the amount of running yeah. does. I mean, can you imagine like if your career depended on your ability to just back it up physically? No, after I cannot imagine that. that. would suck. <laughs> I go to the gym and get a sore back and that's just 20 minutes of, you know, <laughs> jogging on a stretch, treadmill literally. stretching that's before yes. you've even lifted anything yeah like I, I I see these injuries like that players get I sprain this is an old man injury for you I was trying to put a cover on my couch cushion <laughs> and I was pulling so hard that I sprained my <laughs> finger like I had to ice it it's been four days and I still can't like bend that my ring finger completely <laughs> shut and I did have that thought of like, I just watched a practice match in which a dude broke his leg and played out the game. Yeah. <laughs> and here I am spraining my finger. I went for a walk the other day. Room. went, oh, my groin just hurt. That's just from walking <laughs> down the shop. <laughs> I'm like taking screamers. Yeah, you need some guy to come out and give you a cortisone injection yeah. to your spine. On that, it'll be interesting to see how King goes. Because an ACL, I mean, I did my ACL playing union when I was a lot younger and I mean obviously with all the rehab and the money that goes into that it will help but it's just that men, the mental warfare too you, you come back and oh, is that oh god because it's such a long road to recovery what does it feel like to do an ACL how painful is it well my I did my medial as well at the same time so that's an additional pain an additional recovery uh, it's like a big loud bang almost like a shotgun and because I was a lot younger, maybe my pain threshold was um, not as good. So I was in quite a bit of pain, quite a bit of shock. But I mean, it goes away after a period of time and then you can sort of still walk. Uh, but I actually went to the hospital and they said, because I mean, the swelling was quite large. They said, oh, it's not an ACL. So I went home. Oh my God. And just stayed on the couch for about a week. And I was walking around pretty badly. And then it was only when I went to the physio and they did a test that they said, no, that's an ACL. Um, so yeah, I've, I've experienced worse pain, but it's, it's, it's not great. The worst is just the recovery and the muscles around it seizing up. Right. And sticking resiliently to the rehab, which is the difficult thing. And so do they actually reattach like the ligament, like the whole ligament or do they, they, they sew it back together or what's, they clean, what's the... They clean that out. Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure. And then they took a... <laughs> Tune into Two Guys One Cup for your medical information. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do know they took a, a hamstring out of my hamstring um, and then they graft that into a new ligament and then they um, 
stick it in there somehow. But also I had some other thing where they had to put some screws in. So I've got screws oh in my, my neck. Oh, my God. What happened? What was the action in the Union game that brought you down like that? Oh, I was I was a runner. I was good at sprinting. And I was fullback. So the play was to, at the scrum, the number eight would grab it and then throw it out to the, mm-hmm. I think, to the halfback. And then the halfback would kick it and as he'd kick it I'd be on side and I was fast enough to run under the ball and generally I'd they wouldn't expect it and I'd catch it on the full then I'd be able to score a try but this time the fullback read it the opposing fullback read it and he got to the ball just in time and as he went past me I planted my foot down to tackle him but my weight kept uh, going forward and then pop. oh my god yeah uh, I can't watch. I can't even hear stories of sporting injuries. You know, some people can just like rewind and I just can't. It just makes me... How was Will Powell's um, injury there? Did you see that? His uh, ankle? Yeah. Yeah. I can't watch any of that stuff. I don't know. It just it just turns my, it turns my stomach. Especially too when they do like this slow motion of like, the oh yeah, you can see the bone pushing through the skin. <laughs> it's just like, I don't need to see that. Yeah. Please. Those please. big screamer marks and then if you land yeah. out and you hyperextension yeah. of the arm that's oh the shoulders pop out uh, this one runs out and you can see like the, the collarbones popping out it's disgusting anyway we'll just get back <laughs> to the suns we'll finish up josh thank you so much for coming back on the show so what we traditionally do with our guests at the end of the show is uh we let you pick where you think the suns are going to finish not necessarily a ladder position but i'll give you a broad i'll break the ladder into three parts top six middle six bottom six where are your expectations for 2023 middle six Oh, okay. So bottom half of the eight, you think, or just outside the eight? Yeah, like uh, seventh or sixth. Yeah. I think that's where the Suns should finish too. I mean, I would love them to have just one of those like Collingwood type years last year when no one expected anything and they just go on a, on a rampage. But I think probably lower half of the, uh, the eight is, is where you'll finish up. And um, I can't actually wait to actually get to some more son's games so next time you're up back home let me know and we'll go we'll go yeah i'd love to i mean and also um it, we were so close last year and we just missed out i mean it was even till the the end of the season that we were still pushing for the top eight yeah so and i still and, I, and that game against richmond though that's like that's enough to sustain you yeah. over a whole summer just seeing what jed anderson did and where you were in that game insane it was the collingwood that collingwood game i think really I don't think Collingwood could keep doing that this year, surely. I mean, I'm just not comfortable with liking Collingwood. <laughs> it was really, surely. really took a lot of people by surprise how yeah. easy it was to like Collingwood last year. And I think this year we need to go back to regular regular scheduled programming and then hate Collingwood. No, I'm again. with you on that. Um, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show and good luck to the Suns this year. Thank you. We are two guys, one